0: So I'd like to begin this um, evening first by um, acknowledging that for some of you, this is the very first day of of, of a full day of meditation, especially at a non-residential retreat. And um, I just kind of, you know, sort of like almost want to congratulate you. (laughs) You know, you're still here. (laughs) You haven't haven't left and we don't, um, you know, we don't lock, lock the gate, so you're free to <laughs> free to come and go. But I, I'm always very pleased when um, people stay uh, because it's not necessarily a picnic. You know, there can be uh, many challenges, particular, particularly in the first day of a retreat. No matter whether you've sat retreats before or not, the first day of a retreat can often be a little bit more challenging. Um, but it generally gets easier (laughs) as you start to settle in a a little bit more and and, uh, fall into the rhythm of the retreat, get to know uh, what we're doing here. I mean, many of you just kind of jumped in and you had no idea what you were getting yourselves into. (laughs) So um, just really want to acknowledge that, that we're um, near the end of the very first day. And uh, what I sometimes like to do is uh, what I call take a, a weather report. And a weather report means I just like to, you know, ask people just to kind of call out one word that might describe where you are at the, your temperature at the moment. Not necessarily temperature, but your, your mood or, or your mind state or just where you are. Kind of that would, would describe... uh... uh, your your present experience and we'll just kind of you know just kind of uh... call call it out and i'll repeat it so that make sure i i hear because sometimes people are kind of calling out over each other but i just want to make sure i i I get the report so uh... who would like to start calling out where where are you one word or maybe two peace Adjusting, calm, Calm. grateful. What was that? Breezy. Breezy. Good. Relieved. Who was that? Relieved. Mm -hmm. Grounded. Grounded. Orienting. Self nurturing. Settling. Transforming. Landed. Good, landed. Rather than landing, (laughs) landed. (laughs) Anyone else? Wondering. Hey, good. gives me a gives us together a little bit of sense of what's in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see now that a lot happens when you're not doing much of anything at all. Right? Just sitting, walking, moving slow, and yet a lot can be going on right? internally, Externally, this is what we call the the adventure, the adventure that we're on. Right. And so sometimes we like it, and sometimes we don't like it. <laughs> but um, you know what I find is that people people go through it anyhow. <clears throat> On my first retreat, my very, very first retreat, which was just a Friday night to a Sunday afternoon, I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. It was many years ago. And um, I wanted to run, wanted to escape. But something in me and also the support of the person who was teaching the retreat, small retreat, you know maybe twenty of us, and just really helped me through that. And um, it got a little bit easier. But I really was freaking out, You know, have, being left with myself, really looking at my own mind. It was really um, hard. And I got through. And after that Sunday came and went, I wanted to go back. I wanted more. <laughs> what what is that? You know there's something there's something in the heart. there's something in the in the in the our beingness that we we know when something's right. right? There's a knowing even sometimes when it's hard or when it's painful, we know that we got to keep going. Right? We, we go through it. And I always I, I, I like to reflect on that because it's probably one of the hardest weekends I ever had. and yet I was, ready to go, you know, let's go more, and it wasn't masochistic. (laughs) There was a a deeper knowing in my heart of what was right and what was true. So here we are, we're on our, our adventure together. And recently I've been liking to read this prayer near the beginning of a retreat, and I've uh, read it at the beginning of a few retreats because it just speaks so um, profoundly to what I think we're doing here, what these retreats are really about. And the interesting thing, this is a prayer that was offered at the, the an environmental Sabbath that was being put on by the United Nations in 1990, and at that time they wanted to bring pray, more prayer into the workings of the United Nations. And this happened to be around the an, envir- uh, an Earth an Earth Rest Day. They were really bringing like the, we need to bring more rest to the Earth. To, to, to ourselves and to, and to the earth. And this is 1990, very profound. And it, it goes like this, this is the prayer at the UN. We who have lost our sense and our senses, our touch, our smell, our vision of who we are, we who frantically force and press all things without rest for body or spirit, hurting our earth, and injuring ourselves, we call a halt. We want to rest. We need to rest and allow the earth to rest. We need to reflect and to rediscover the mystery that lives in us, the mystery that is the ground of every unique expression of life the source of the fascination that calls all things to communion. We declare a Sabbath, a space of quiet for simple being and letting be, for recovering the great forgotten truths, for learning how to live again. I think that's exactly what we're doing here. a space of quiet for simple being, to rediscover the mystery that lives in us, this this mystery that is the ground of all and every expression of life. There's something that our heart knows about this truth. this was at the United Nations I mean calling this to this to the, where the countries different countries come together we need to rest and allow the earth to rest. We know this in our in our bones because we are that earth body. we are that nature. so there's there's no difference between our bodies and all the other form bodies. And we know we know this and yet we need to stop we need to rest we need to recharge so that we can come back into communion with that deeper truth. And I do really believe that that's what brings us here. Some people wrote that as well on their sheets that were given to us, you know, this this need to stop, need to rest, need to reconnect This is something that we long for. Before the retreat began last night, JD and I were just talking a little bit about the retreat. And and I was talking about how, in some ways, yes, the teachings are very important, and the practices that we learn here are very important. But what's most important is entering into the space of silence. And I, and I said that if, if we did nothing else, if we didn't even really give teachings and offer practices, that would be enough. You know, just being held in, within the group and the structure and, you know, some schedule of sitting and walking and being fed and doing a little bit of, of activity through the work, that would already, something would be very transformative. Without even having the Buddhist map, the map that was offered to us that we follow here on retreats. Just the entering into the so- the power of the solitude, the power of the silence, which many of us also uh, get when we go out into nature. And we were pulled out, many of us are pulled into nature, into the natural world, because of this longing for this deeper connection. so the silence in some ways is the teacher and that's why we protect the silence so much i mean all the all the um half hour logistics that you all received last night before the, we even really began the teaching you know it's it's all protection to protect this silence and to protect the the refuge the sanctuary that we create here because of its power and some of you may have already felt that today. Even if it's just for a few moments, you know, it doesn't require a lot to have a very strong impact on the consciousness. Just when the, we take one big out-breath, you know, just like, you know, it's like an out-breath that we've been waiting to take for weeks, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, finally we can put things down. That can feel like a burden that we've been carrying, a heavy burden on our shoulders, we put it down. So really when we come into the solitude, when we come into the silence and we're held in this way, we're kind of changing the frequency of our of our brain, of our of our mind. Sometimes I, I think of it like that because the frequency if it's if we're going through the, the 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 thinking mind the conceptual mind and we're thinking and we're we're projecting in our ideas and our fantasies and our memories and, and we're living very much in the realm of that mental realm the mental realm it's almost um, too g- gross in 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 a uh, contrast to the subtle. You know, it's almost too gross to, to know the subtle, that subtle that we start to enter into in the silence and in the solitude. We have to, um, we have, something needs to happen where, where we get more settled, we get more calm, we get more quiet, or we're not going to be able to sense into this mystery that is the ground of all things so the so the meditation practices the ancient lineage of practices is what uh, was is what's offered to us to allow us to begin to change that frequency to to settle down and i know Many of you have seen those acrylic balls that, particularly with the snowmen in them, and you can shake them, they got snow, like snow in the acrylic balls and you shake them and then it looks like the snowman is in the snow. And then when you stop shaking them and set it down, the snow just starts to settle to the ground and the space around the snowman becomes clear. It, and, and if it's not shaken up again, that snow just stays settled on the ground. And this is what happens in the meditation, is we're, we're trying to take away the conditions that cause that unsettledness, or that disruption, or the agitation, or the um, distractions even. And we, take it, we take as much of that as, away as we possibly can just keep clearing the space, and I mean, not, that's, that's why we try to protect you having contact with out, the outside world, because that's like shaking up the acrylic ball, and then if that has to happen or needs to happen, then it'll take a little while for that to settle down again, but if that's not shaken up, it just gets quieter and quieter and quieter, And in that quietness, then there is the potential for more openness and connection and contact with that which is larger or greater than our small, narrow, thinking mind. So we're creating the conditions here through the meditation, the practices, the conditions here on the retreat, is to bring a, a, a kind of what I call, and why I call this the heart of awareness. I call this um, dropping into the heart, from the mind. So rather than living through the mental realm, we start to drop the attention. So the attention is more in the body. We feel the body, we are are, uh, experiencing more of the fullness of our body, and as that as the, the attention that is usually wrapped up in the mental realm starts to drop down, it touches our heart. And I'm, t- and, and I, and I'm referring to the area around our heart, the organ of our heart, which in the um, uh, teachings of the chakras, or the energy centers, is called the heart center, the heart energy center. And then there's the belly, or the the body center, which is lower down around the belly. And we start to actually feel and experience more energy in those centers or those areas of our body. And one of the first things that happens, and it may have already started to happen from uh, the loving-kindness meditation that JD did this afternoon, but the heart... which is also the emotional part, starts to get activated. It gets stirred up. But, But this is a good thing, different than when the mind gets stirred up because then it goes into the past and the future. But when the heart gets touched, something starts to move that may have been blocked or suppressed or held back for a long time. And so we want to move some of this emotional energy. It's a positive thing. It's a good thing. Uh, when, that, the, when perhaps the tears come or some of the energetic releases come, or we start to feel, we start to feel emotions of, of grief or sadness, or even sometimes anger or um, uh, uh, different kinds of emotions start to... Jealousy or whatever, grief, starts to come through. It's, we're feeling. It's life. Life is life is moving through us. We're not just kind of uh, vegetables or or, st- or stones that don't feel. I don't know if stones or vegetables feel. I'm not really making a judgment there. <laughs> I mean, maybe stones and vegetables feel, but... <laughs> But, but, but I'm talking about more human emotions—the <laughs> kinds of emotions that sometimes we're frightened of, or we hold back, or we close down, or too hard. It's too hard to feel. Right. So, so this is what I call the a heart drop. The heart drop. Right? The mind drops into the heart. And we start to to know and to perceive our experience in a different way. It has maybe more of a feeling tone or emotional tone. There may be some way that we feel a little bit more alive there. In these teachings, in the Buddhist teachings, the word for this heart-mind, kind of the the dropping of the the mind into the heart, which then we call heart-mind, is um, in Sanskrit. The Sanskrit word is chitta, c-i-t-t-a, chitta, citta. and chitta is translated as consciousness or mind. And it's pointing to what it points to. What chitta points to when it's when it's talked about in the teachings, is the quality where what we're interested in all spiritual teachings and all spiritual tra- traditions. What we're interested in is the quality of that chitta, the quality of that consciousness. Right? What is what is what is the quality of our mind? What is the quality of our mind states? And what happens is that the, the forces or the powers of those of what's called the in in Buddhism, it can be called actually it's called the poisons of the mind or the the taints of these strong forces that have been um, generated through our own individual consciousness, but also the cultural consciousness of greed and lust, of hate and uh, uh, aversion, anger, and of confusion and delusion. There's three, actually, three. It's just greed, hate, and delusion. And those are the three roots of our suffering, of our human suffering. Right? And when those, when those forces of, our, of those patterns of mind are running through, it colors the citta. It's like a, it's like a filter over the mind. And we can't see clearly. We, we're not in we're not in relationship with things the way they really are. It's like the like there's a filter or a veil over the consciousness, and so all spiritual traditions, and I think in all the different religions, using different language, are concerned with this what sometimes we call the the purification of the consciousness or the purification of the heart, where we learn. Um, and we practice new ways of being so that we're not acting out from these very painful and difficult patterns of our mind, of, of, of lust, of lust, of hate, of, of delusion, of confusion. And we can see, unfortunately, tragically, how that plays out collectively in our world. That's what we see so much of the time and it's painful, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking when those forces of mind are what's in in the forefront rather than the beautiful qualities of the clear consciousness, the open consciousness that which is not filtered, that which is not covered over or overwhelmed by these difficult patterns, then what we experience are these beautiful qualities of, of what, what, what's actually called the opposite of the greed, opposite of greed, which is renunciation, generosity, letting go. Right? When, the, when the lust and the greed isn't running through the mind and that has stopped there's the capacity to 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 care to to want to connect to be generous to let go of that which we're holding on to the attachments the self-possessive attachments we let go when when the when the hate the anger isn't running through the mind what starts to open out is what's called loving kindness or metta the opposite the opposite of the of the hate of the ill will the heart opens in loving kindness which is why we practice loving kindness here because it starts to bring that forward it brings it it brings it more into the forefront it starts to overshadow those painful patterns of mind with delusion or confusion that strong pattern of of disconnection and not being able to see clearly as that starts to open up and soften and the heart the heart starts to operate in a different way the confusion turns to wisdom we, wisdom means cl- clarity and clear seeing connecting with what's real and true that's wisdom so the path this path that we are are on here this this retreat is this the practice the teachings and the practices and the support for this transformation to occur where we start we bring the mindfulness the awareness to our minds to our bodies to our emotional uh, responses to all the activities that are happening and we start to see what's there. What is there anger in the mind? Is there is there greed in the mind? Is there confusion in the mind? We want to know it because until we actually can know it and recognize it, there's no possibility of transformation. We just keep acting out of the same patterns again and again and again, and then we wonder why we're suffering. We wonder why we're still in so much pain. <laughs> and I'm not. When I use the word pain, I'm not talking about physical pain. Physical pain is a is a is a whole different kind of experience that has to do with the body being out of balance in some way and so then we bring our understanding our medical understanding our uh, intelligence to how to help the body or support the body come back into balance but there's also emotional pain and the emotional pain is often something that we is workable is that we can actually start to bring some understanding and some clarity to know what are the causes and the conditions that are giving rise to that, to that, that emotional pain or that suffering? And this is the path of the Buddha. This is the map that was offered to us in the Buddha's teachings. It's a vast and profound teaching that points the way, that helps us see the way out of this suffering, the the sort of the self-inflicted suffering that where we can actually transform our reactive mind to a mind that is more peaceful, that is more quiet, that is more calm or tranquil, that is kind, that is generous, that is loving, that is wise. This is the transformation that is possible for us as human beings. And when we know this deeply, and it's interesting because I see in myself as I've been on this path for many, many years now, and I know the potential and the possibility of this transformation in my bones, in my cells, it makes it even harder to see what's going on in the world it's more heartbreaking to see what's going on in the world because it doesn't have to be like that every human being has the potential for the transformation of heart every every human being and when we know that and we see that it's it's just all, i feel such deep prayer pray, a prayerful response that that transformation can happen for us as human beings all human beings as we say in the loving-kindness meditation may all beings be happy may all beings find peace and the deepest well-being in their heart may all beings be free of pain and suffering and we say that and we wish for that because it's really possible And the Buddha said, if it was not possible, I would not ask you to do it. If it was not possible, we would not ask you to do it. And so you can feel, I can feel as I say those words of the Buddha, you know, the the deep compassion in that expression. That it is possible for all of us to end this this tragic suffering because it's confusion it arises out of confusion it arises out of ignorance these these, these torturous and, and terrible things that happen on our earth would not happen from a wise heart from a clear seeing from a true connection with the way things really are so, and so we, we, bring this, um, we bring this hope, in a way. We, we bring this wish and this aspiration to our practice, not only for our own transformation, but for all beings to be, be, find a way to bring the pain and suffering to an end. I think this is what all spiritual practices are concerned with. All different language, different ways of talking about it, and yet I think this is what's being pointed to. Right? Just we just point the way. Just point the way. Right? We might say that this another I, I think sometimes of this of the, of the as we're kind of working with the consciousness, the, the quality of the consciousness. I see it sometimes as uh, like cleaning windows. You know, it's a nice metaphor for this kind of the, 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 the bringing the kind of clear clarifying the consciousness. You know, just like my, I was just thinking while I was reflecting on this talk, right? You because know, my windows right now are really dirty at my house because it's been raining and you know the mud gets in the the screens and the the dust and and I can't really see out of my windows. (laughs) I mean on one side, on one side particularly where the rain comes in and I need to clean those windows because I'd like to see out of them and particularly when the sun hits it a certain way it is just like all dirt. And, and it's, a, you know, a bit of a chore, I mean, I guess I could hire somebody to do it, but you know, I can also just get on my stool and take the windows out and scrub the, the screens and, you know, but it's the same thing, you know, it's something I have to put some effort in and some time and some commitment and, you know, it's the same with our, with our own mind, with our own consciousness. another translation for the chitta for the purified chitta is to shine to be bright to be beautiful so in that when the heart the heart mind the chitta is free of those difficult patterns of mind there is a quality of brightness There's a quality of shininess or or beauty. And we can see this in people. You know, there there are people that we we see and we go, wow, they're really bright. You know, it might be that day. You know, it might not be forever. (laughs) And it's true for all of us. You know, sometimes we have these days where the heart is really open and we feel really free and and sometimes we will look in the mirror, and, and it's just like, "Woo, yeah!" There's a brightness today. Or somebody comes up to and says, "Oh, what happened to you?" You know, some good things are happening for you. You know, because it can, we can feel it, we can sense it, both in inner and outer. And and this isn't some a goal. It's not like some, some place that we arrive at or some place that we reach some time in the far future where we feel bright and shiny and beautiful. It's just a moment or a few moments or an hour where we just feel free, where where the heart opens, the mind and the heart, the chitta opens. And there's a sense of Just having put something down we're not carrying the burden of the past in the same way that we have and we experience that directly it may be that the conditions change again and then we feel the contraction we feel the heaviness we feel the burden and it all comes back and but that's okay no, That's just our, the journey, the journey that we're on. And then as, with our mindfulness practice, we see if we can actually bring some loving attention to what's occurring to see, well, what's happening now? What do I need to understand? What do I need to do or learn about what's happening for me right now? And this is the quality of interest and curiosity and kindness that we bring to our experience. And then we start to cultivate those beautiful qualities of our heart and mind. And so these, these, the practice works with it all. We don't have to be in a state of, of freedom from these difficult patterns of mind. But when we see that they're occurring, can we bring a loving response so that we're not reinforcing more hatred and negativity and judgment and a certain violence to ourselves just because we're having a bad day? How can we transform that attitude of mind This is what we're concerned with in these teachings in this practice. This is what we're going to be working with over these these days together. So we're we're you know different metaphors can be used. We're kind of you know cleaning the windows, or maybe I like also the the metaphor of the of the mirror, kind of you know shining the mirror the smudged mirror, you know, making it bright. When I was doing my, sitting my three-month, couple of three-month retreats, um, one of my favorite yogi jobs was cleaning the bathrooms because I got to clean the mirrors. And I would just spend, and there were big mirrors, kind of like... Uh, this was on the east coast but you know and I just I just would take time of course I was you know maybe you know this like six weeks or two months into concentration and mindfulness and I would just just shine the mirror you know just very mindfully and I would just want to get every smudge out and every you know mark and just make it as clean and as shiny and as bright as I possibly could and it felt like I was just shining my own consciousness you know it was a mirror of my own mind just reflecting back to me you know? and sometimes our meditation can just feel like that we're just shining the mind polishing the mind cleaning the mind so that these beautiful qualities appear so here on the retreat there are three attitudes to practice that i want to offer you that help us begin to uh, work with some of these um Uh, difficulties that we find, that we encounter here when we come to retreat, when we come to sustained meditation practice. And and each of these three attitudes are perpetuated through certain beliefs, certain beliefs that we carry, uh, or attitudes that we carry that keep these things going. And they're very simple. And and three attitudes that we can practice here on this retreat. The first one is to bring an attitude to our practice of having no goal, have no goal. Now, each one, each one is, is going to be something that I think you'll already have recognized in your own meditation practice. Even if today was the very first day of your meditation practice, you might have recognized how y- there's a, almost like an energetic leaning forward to try to get something. <laughs> so, you know, a certain kind of experience or a certain kind of um, a feeling or a certain kind of emotional state or... Or, or maybe being aversive to the one that's here, whether it's tiredness or there's physical pain or there's maybe a lot of emotions like, I don't want that, I want this, right? And then we'll find that our, we try to get our experience to be a certain way depending on that goal we have in the mind. It should be like this. And this is what sets up the striving in the mind, and and too much effort. We're just making too much effort because, because we're operating out of a confused belief that what's happening here isn't okay, and I need to get somewhere else. This is what sets up. This kind of the the greed in the mind. It's like a greedy lusting after, you know, I want that, I want that, I got to have that, I don't want what's happening. It's kind of like the aversion or the hate in the mind and the greed in the mind. And then we're just kind of moving back and forth between those two very difficult, uh, painful patterns of mind and feeling the energetic restlessness and agitation that's occurring because we're trying to get a certain experience. So the first one, have no goal, right? Which really starts to point us back to being here, right? Just being here. So the second one to bring to our practice is to... Be where you are. These are not rocket science, (laughs) but they are so challenging (laughs) for our mind because we carry a belief, in this case, this can't be it. (laughs) What's happening now, where I am, can't be what the meditation is really about, (laughs) which then brings in our goal, right? Well, I want to get over there. I don't want to be here, right? So so whatever it is, can we be where we are? I was reminded of the Question that you brought this morning around the tiredness, you know, it's like, you know, sort of like, you know, it'd kind of be better if this tiredness wasn't here, you know, it's sort of like, let's get over the tiredness, even though, as you said, you know, the life, your lifestyle had brought about that exhaustion and the tiredness, you know, so, so, it probably isn't just going to go away <laughs> just with a little meditation. So, this is a, so, can we? Be where we are, you know, tired, sleepy, exhausted. And what is that? What's it like? And can I can I bring that can I bring that into my awareness with kindness, with gentleness, with patience, without judgment, without expectation, being where I am. You could even use that as a as a mantra, as a as a teaching mantra. Be. Well, we say be here now, right? Be here now. <laughs> be where I am. To see if we can open to that and embrace that. And the the third one is don't interfere. Right? Don't interfere with your practice or try to change. What's arising? Don't, don't, because we we get into like manipulating, right? This is, you know, manipulating our experience. We try to, you know, get a little of this or try to get a little of that or, you know, uh, well, last time I sat, you know, I sat really still and my mind got quiet, so I'm just going to come back and sit really still again and try to get my mind really quiet. But actually, that's really creating a lot more restlessness and (laughs) agitation. I can't seem to repeat the conditions that actually brought about my desirable experience again. So let's not interfere and be where we are without a goal. If we interfere with our experience we're, in a way, taking too much responsibility for our experience to be a certain way. It's almost like I've got to make it happen. I'm responsible for the way I'm feeling and the way I'm experiencing and what's happening here. And this sense of me, the sense of I, starts to get stronger, and I think I need to make a lot more effort than I actually need to make. Because I've got some confused ideas about how this all works, so that's why we keep encouraging you to let go, to relax, to see if you can open in a mindful way to your experience just as it is. And we're going to keep giving more and more instructions about that. That's how we'll build the instructions over the next few days. You know, how do we stay open? to our experience, no matter what's happening, just as it is. We believe that happiness is dependent on certain conditions to arise in order for us to have those qualities that we so desire of peacefulness and stillness and um, joy and happiness. But the teachings of the Buddha point to that our happiness, the true happiness of the Buddha, is not dependent on any particular conditions arising. In fact, we use the word unconditioned. It's not conditioned. That happiness of the Buddha is not dependent on any conditions. It goes beyond all conditions. No matter what's happening, we can still know deep peace, deep happiness deep tranquility and calm in relationship to what's occurring. And this is what we're going to be exploring more and more. So we're really pointing to a different way of being, a different way of knowing, a different way of experiencing, coming into experience, which I call the attention of the heart where we start to feel located in ourselves in a little different way. We're, we're not being led by the head in the mind, in our thoughts, in our ideas, in our beliefs, in our projections, in our um, expectations, and our goals, which even when I talk about it, I already feel like I'm falling over. <laughs> it's so in the head. <laughs> and so we sit back, sit back, let the attention go down through the body, feel our heart, feel our belly feel our feet, feel our arms let the energy and the attention move and circulate so we're not just in our head this is, as we all know, I know everybody in this room knows this is the cause of a lot of our problems (laughs) right? and this is the the training this is the mind training where we start to find a way out mm-hmm. a way out of those of the of the experience of our life being problematic mm-hmm. this is what this is what we want to start to understand but not as a goal but just as an aspiration we hold we hold aspiration something that the heart longs for, or the heart desires, and we hold that lightly, not tightly. So we don't really need to know very much. No. We're really coming into a way of being where we're slowing down, feeling more, Sensing more. You know, listening a little more. It's just one moment. Just in a moment. Right? And if we forget, or we get lost for some moments, you'll get another moment. right? I mean, most of us will. I mean, we, we could have a heart attack and die also at any moment. But generally, the probability... Is that that's probably not going to happen? We have very low probability, and the 40 or 40-some 40 years we've done retreats. So, <laughs> so it's likely you'll get another moment. So it's not a big deal if you space out, if you get lost, if you forget. We just have a moment where we go, oh wow, right, come back. Be mindful again, right? That's the beauty of this life. We're given many opportunities to remember. So, I want to read this uh, teaching from Thich Nhat Han. We've been JD was mentioning Thich Nhat Han when we were talking about the the ethical guidelines last night, and Thich Nhat Han is is one of our elders, a great Vietnamese Zen master, who has really been a a teacher for all of us who have been on this path a long time. And he beautifully describes this value of of present moment in in all of his teachings, all of his books. And this one's called uh, from his book, Peace in Every Step. I love this particular passage, very good for retreat. He says, to my mind, the idea that doing the dishes is unpleasant can occur only when you are not doing the dishes. Because once you are standing in front of the sink with your sleeves rolled up and your hands in warm water, it's really not so bad. I enjoy taking my time with each dish, being fully aware of the dish, the water, and each movement of my hands. I know that if I hurry in order to go and have a cup of tea, the time will be unpleasant and not worth having. That would be a pity, for each minute, each second of life is a miracle. The dishes themselves and the fact that I am here washing them are miracles. This is the mystery that I was talking about earlier. If I am incapable of washing dishes joyfully, if I want to finish them quickly so I can go and get dessert, I will be equally incapable of enjoying my dessert. Because with the fork in my hand, I will be thinking about what to do next. And the texture and the flavor of the dessert, together with the pleasure of eating it, will be lost. I will, I will always be dragged into the future, never able to live in the present moment. Each thought, each action in the sunlight of awareness becomes sacred. I must confess it takes me a bit longer to do the dishes, but I live fully in every moment and I am happy. I live fully in every moment and I am happy. So here he says in each each thought each action in the sunlight of awareness becomes sacred. And this sunlight of awareness is the chitta. Is the clear bright shiny un hindered consciousness of heart, heart heart-mind. And so we want to begin to recognize these moments, because it's not somewhere in the future necessarily. It can happen at any moment. And I know you've already had moments today where, in a way, everything seems to drop away, the past, the future, and there's a sense of just being here fully with the totality of your experience just as it is with whatever is here. Right? Without the needing it to be otherwise or, or the resistance and the rejection of what's here without confusion in the mind, but a clear connection, loving connection with what's here. Just a moment, two moments, maybe a little longer. The important thing is the recognition. We say, ah, here's a moment. Just the recognition, just the knowing, because the more that we know it and, and feel it and recognize those moments, it becomes more settled in the body memory. It becomes almost like a touchstone, so it's easier to go back to it. It's easier to remember. and We set up a, a neural pathway where it's happening more and more and more. This is the transformational process. This is what we're engaged in here. And so the last words I'll end with are from this poem by uh, Naomi Shihab um, Nye, American-Palestinian woman, um, from her book Words Under the Words. And this is just the last stanza of her poem called Kindness. And she says, then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore, only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. So we'll just sit quietly for a couple minutes. You don't have to change your posture. We just sit in the silence together.